Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be talking to Kirk McElhern about the Mac App Store, the good and some things that aren't so good. We'll also hear from John Martellero of the Mac Observer. He worked for Apple at one time, and he'll talk about the possible replacements for Steve Jobs as Apple's CEO, plus some fascinating possibilities for the next iPad. And then you'll hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, where he'll talk about, among other things, cell phone carrier tyranny. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We rejoin in the French Alps, the one, the only, Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. Of course, he has his site, McElhern.com. He writes for Macworld. He does some Take Control books, most recently, on the iTunes, latest iTunes 10. And we were talking just before this episode began. The legend has it that there's an app for that, which means virtually everything. What Kirk wanted to talk about today was the new Mac App Store. And I was thinking, I was talking to him before the show, I'm suffering from some kind of rash. You know, it's almost like shingles, puts rashes all over your body, although shingles, I guess, is on one side of the body. I've been to three doctors. They can't figure it out. Is there an app to help me figure out what I've got, Kirk? <laughs> GG, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I have a name for the disease. It's called the creeping rot. That sounds like something that's fatal, Gene. I think you should just hang up your headset and, you know, move on. Yeah, I, I mean, I said jokingly, is there an app to find that? Maybe not because there's not a whole lot of apps yet on the Mac App Store, but there's a million websites. I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes up with a health-based application like that. Like um, a WebMD kind of app. Yes, that would be like a portal to one of those big sites. WebMD is one of them. There are a few other big, well-known health sites that organize information, and, and that would make sense as an application. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. We, we've, we've seen a lot of those for iOS applications that really just give you content from one website or one service but it's almost like a second browser yeah it's like a second browser but they can simplify things because they could put in an interface that deals with their own search system a little more efficiently and instead of you having to type a url or use a bookmark you've got an application that that maybe focuses and and you know one good example of that is macworld just came out this week with an iPad application. The content that's displayed is basically the same content that's on the web, but it's presented in a much different manner. Instead of having people go to the website and click through stuff, they flip through pages for different subjects. So we, we see this, uh, as I said, on uh, for iOS applications, iPhone and, and iPad, etc. But this might be something that could work on the Mac for certain websites to give a sort of self-contained approach to what, what in some cases are very big websites. I could almost imagine Amazon making a Mac app that would present their website, but not exactly like the website, that would take advantage of interface elements that you don't have on the web, and that would give you access to things in different ways. I kind of think Apple will say no because they aren't really apps in the scheme of things. Well, why are they saying yes on iOS then? Well, remember, we're talking about difference? a totally different kind of setup there, okay? Well, well Macworld, sure. hold on. You can, you can read Macworld with Safari on your iPad. What's the difference between that and them making an app to read it or, you know, any of the other newspapers that do it, like the New York Times or, you know, newspapers and magazines? What would be the difference between that and a Mac app that does the same thing? 
I think when you're dealing with a regular Mac, you have the larger screen, you have the more flexible user interface, and I think it'd be really nice. Yeah. I kind of think that Apple probably wouldn't do it for that reason because, you know, you can still make clips for your dashboard if you want like a little applet of a particular site. Can I use the word sucks on your show? That works. Well, those clips suck. I mean, seriously, have you ever used them? I, I, the only time I've used them would be like when I'm waiting for a package from UPS and I take a clip of the page, um, you know, that shows the, the tracking information. Uh, I've never used them for anything else. No, I'm not thinking of a, of a dashboard type thing. I'm thinking of – look at the Mac App Store. Look at the way it is. What is it? It's a web page in a tiny frame, right? It's basically it, another variation of Safari because all this iTunes – and the App Store it's, it's are WebKit. both accessing using WebKit information from one of Apple's sites. Exactly. So why wouldn't – and we'll use the example of Amazon again. Why wouldn't Amazon make an app similar to the Mac App Store but that takes advantage, again, of different interface elements um, using the kinds of things that maybe aren't as efficient on the web as they are – on a dedi- in a dedicated application, checkboxes, pop-up menus, you know, the ability to store information locally instead of storing it on a server, keep, keeping your wish list and things like that. I, I, I would see that as a, as a valuable type of application for certain sites. I wouldn't want too many of them, but it could be an interesting way to deal with some of the more complex websites. Well, you know, any variation works, but... I can see the possibilities. The question is, will Apple consider it? The other issue, of course, is the App Store itself. Can you give us an overview of your feelings about it? Well, we we talked about the App Store after it was announced and when we didn't know anything about it. Um, It came here on January 6th, and we were – I think everyone I talked to was very surprised in certain ways, relieved in other ways – and not entirely clear about a lot of things. Let me try and go through that. One of the surprising things is the price of some of the applications. You can get a game like Angry Birds for 5 bucks. Now, on the Mac, you're used to paying $20, $30, $40, $50 for games. And there's games at those prices. I'm looking at the, the current list of bestsellers. Call of Duty is $50. Um, I think there was another game that was $30. What was it? The latest Civilization was $30. So the the fact that there are so many applications at low prices, which we could call iOS prices, um, because with the iOS app store, uh, we got used to low prices, apps that cost a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. The smaller screen makes it seem like it's not worth as much. The second thing is that we're seeing a lot of applications that aren't cheap and that are selling quite well. I think one of the best examples is a graphics app called Pixelmator. Uh, the developers announced this week that in the first two weeks, they sold, and this is a $30 application, they sold a million dollars worth of that application. Well, you know so, what? We need to call them and get them to advertise on the show. You should do that. You should get Apple to advertise too, but that's another story. They won't do it. I mean, so, literally speaking, I think we'd have to be on a five-day-a-week show with you yeah. know, 30, 40 million listeners. They might consider it then. Yeah. So so we're seeing both these very low prices and these, what I would say, normal prices. Apple even dropped the price of some of their applications like Aperture. So we've seen both these low prices and these normal prices uh, for applications. So on, on the one hand, 
a lot of people, I think a lot of developers were worried that there would be too much pressure to bring prices down. And I think they're very reassured that they're seeing prices for certain applications that are staying at the prices they want. Um, yeah, but will they spend $500 for an app? No, I don't think we're going to see $500 apps for, for two reasons. One, it's too expensive to buy like this. And two, I don't know any $500 apps that would really be accepted today because generally that kind of application installs files in, in locations where the Mac App Store doesn't allow developers to install them. It has background processes. Um, it has its own update system, licensing system. I, I don't think an Adobe would want to sell their apps using Apple's licensing system where you can basically use an application that you've bought from the Mac App Store on any Mac that you own. We'll get more into that in other subjects in a moment. A reminder, we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us direct, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. We welcome your suggestions, what you like about our shows, what you don't like, maybe suggestions for future guests. No, I don't think we're going to have Steve Ballmer or Steve Jobs on the show, but you're welcome to suggest people who might come on. We have Kirk McElhern joining us this week on the show, author and commentator. We're talking about the Mac App Store. Lots more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. They all laugh when I told them my body cleansing tonic was tea. But after 10 days, my body feels way more energized, and I've lost nearly 15 pounds. <laughs> They're not laughing now. That's what John from Oklahoma said about Life Change Tea. In the six months of being on the tea, all my digestive problems have cleared up. 
My energy levels have gone way up and my constipation problems are no more. And that's what Michelle from California said about Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, the amazing all-natural tea that cleanses your body from toxins, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, and molds while helping to lower high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lower blood sugar levels, and help you lose weight. Life Change Tea has no caffeine and is all-natural, all-organic. Go to GetTheTea.com today or call 928-308-0408. That's GetTheTea.com or call 928-308-0408. Life Change Tea really changes things. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com We return. Kirk McElhern is the guest. Gene Steinberg is the host. Your long-suffering host suffering from the creeping rot skin disease here. <laughs> You're in you the really Tech think Night you should have told your listeners about that, Gene? You really don't think so? It's kind of icky, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They might not, you know, they might not want to listen. They might be afraid they'd catch something if they listen. But you know what? I'm thinking of something more important is we might have some doctors in the audience. Well, you know know, that's a a very good point. So if there's any doctors out there, contact Gene Steinberg at technightallive.com and, you know, maybe give him an email consultation. He'll take pictures and send them to you. And that way you'll be able to figure out what it is. I'll take pictures with my iPhone and email it to you. There you go. And see what happens. I mean, I have to tell you, though. I have another appointment scheduled with a doctor this week, which is the day after we're recording this. So it's possible by the time you hear this episode, I will be well on the road to recovery, or maybe you'll never hear from me again. Isn't that strange? There's always possibilities. Okay, so here's the thing, I guess, that we have to emphasize here. When Apple set up the Mac App Store, they created kind of a walled garden, maybe not as stringent a walled garden as you have with the iOS App Store. But a walled garden nonetheless, and what this means is certain types of apps can't be installed there. Maybe just kind of summarize them briefly. Yeah, I, I don't like the term walled garden for this. For, for iOS, it's true because you can't get apps on any other way unless you jailbreak your device. Well, um, you have you a walled can... garden within the structure of the store where you're restricted is the kind of apps that you get. 
Yeah, you go into any retail store, you've got a, a selection made by the retailer. So he, here, though, what, what you want to stress is the fact that there are a certain number of conditions that prevent applications from being approved. Um, one of them is that an application can install things outside of the user space, outside of a user's home folder or the applications folder. So you can't install things in the, in the library folder. Um, the top-level library folder. You can't install anything that runs in the background without user approval. So this limits a lot of types of applications that may need background processes. And I'm just thinking of tons of utilities, disk utilities, security programs, all that type of application. Sure, like one of our sponsors, Indigo, has these antivirus apps. And you'll notice, just as an example, Indigo has a free antivirus app on the App Store. It doesn't do background processing. It's an on-demand right. scanning app. It's free. If you want background right. processing, I'm sure Indigo would love to have it on the Mac App Store, but Apple won't let that happen. Why? Yeah, because they don't want background processes that run all the time. Now, they say this is without user approval, and I've seen some apps that are sort of taking a chance and using certain types of background processes where the user is asked, do you want me to do this? And I kind of think that some of these are being approved, and I kind of think that this means that it's going to be a little more flexible than what developers initially thought. Maybe at the initial installation process, you get this message saying, we're going to run this background process to scan your drive for directory damage or to scan it for malware. Do you say yes or no? Yay or nay? If not, the application can disable that feature. Giving a person, a user the ability to say, yeah, do that, be sufficient. Yeah, but there's, okay, there's another restriction, and again, this affects mostly utilities, is that an application cannot escalate privileges. In other words, the user is running an application, and that application can't have privileges that allow it to access system files. So even if you could run a scan in the background, or even if you could do like use like a, a disk utility program or something, it wouldn't have the right to access the files that it needs to, to do a thorough job. So this is the second limit. Um, Okay, now that I understand, but still, you're doing that when you install these apps anyway. Once you install these apps, you're basically saying, yeah, do that, because I bought your app and I want you to do that. So you're still giving permission. It's still the question no, of permission from the user. No, it's not asking for an administrative password. It's not asking for any password. No, it's not. Fact, but you have to, when you install, when you run the installer on your app, when you okay that installation, that installation is working on an administrator level. Hold on. You're talking about an app that doesn't come from the Mac App Store. That's right. But I'm saying to you is by the same token. Since you're doing it anyway when you install these apps that have special installers, shouldn't Apple simply, this is just speculation, allow you to do the same thing when you run the app? The first time you run the app, you have to respond to a prompt saying, you know, a more detailed prompt, not just we need your password, but this is the reason, this is why, click three or four OKs, give your password, and that's it. Well, I'm sure a lot of developers would like it. but I again, think Apple ought to consider it at some point, maybe not originally, but some point down the line, you know, if they want to expand the roster of apps. Yeah. 
Anyway, so an, another feature that Apple doesn't allow is for applications to have their own updaters. They require that all updates go through the Mac App Store. Now, this obviously leaves out Microsoft, Adobe, you know, any of these big applications that use updaters in maybe specific ways. When you update Microsoft Office, it's not updating all the files. It's not re-downloading everything. These are incremental updaters. I'm not sure about how Adobe does it, but I'm pretty sure it's similar. So that's a problem for some of the, the, the bigger companies. Smaller sort of standalone applications don't have any issues with this, um, but larger apps do. Finally, the, the last thing that's going to keep the big apps out, as I said earlier, is the licensing conditions. You buy an app from the Mac App Store, and you can use it on any Mac that you control, which means basically any Mac on which you want to enter your iTunes account uh, ID and password. Now, that now, gets complicated because it's almost a contradiction because with iTunes, your password allows you to add up to five computers. Yet the licensing in the Mac App Store is basically saying any Mac on which you have access, right. but iTunes licensing is five computers. It almost contradicts itself. Well, yes and no. Remember, iTunes licensing isn't, as some people want to think, uh, what Apple wants, but it's what the industry wants, the industry whose content they sell. Now, this In used other to be words, the Bloodsuckers Incorporated. Yeah, you might want to say that. You know, it used to I be the music did. industry. Um, the music industry agreed to drop DRM, so there's no more issue regarding five Macs for music that's bought from the iTunes store. Uh, however, the movie and TV industries, they still want this uh, this kind of limits. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, that's it's a bit one of the things that obviously a developer who is making money from the multiple user licenses is going to right. think about that. Because, you know, you have complicated situations. Like, for example, you buy Microsoft Office. The student home version, you know, the basic cheap version without the Outlook 2011, the new version, you get two licenses, assuming you have, of course, the main user and the kid, right. for example. Or, or, or someone, with the Mac, someone with the notebook and, of course, someone with the desktop machine. So that's one possible licensing scheme. But five computers, you can be a small business, you know. Yeah. And you're used to paying multiple user licenses. It won't be the same as one license. Maybe you get a 50% discount. But you're used to that. Suddenly a company, if they want to be in the Mac App Store, has to give that up unless Apple creates a special business class license. Other possibilities, too. We have Kirk McElhern, author, raconteur, commentator speaking from his palatial shack beneath the French Alps. He hates me when I do it, but he's such a great friend. Not really. It's, you know, you just got to change your spiel, though, I think. Well, I know that, but, you know, it's it just been years good. You've been I mean, talking about think that. of how many years when they introduced the Lone Ranger. We always heard Hayo Silver from the late Fred Foy. We always heard that, you know, for like yeah, 20 years. So why not repeat the same thing for 20 years? I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now 
Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new sight glass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y-WaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- Three four six six eight two nine. That's eight hundred three four. No tax. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high-energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Kirk McElhern, author, commentator. We're not going to mention the rest. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live. So the question, of course, is here, obviously... The Mac App Store, as it is today, is for basically home users, although small businesses will use it too. But if you're a business user, there's no scheme for you. There's no special business version of the Mac App Store. Should there be? 
Well, the licensing conditions actually suggest that um, applications purchased through the Mac App Store are only for non-commercial usage. So if you're a business, technically, you shouldn't even be allowed to use them. Sure, now, and let's course, see the Apple, Steve Jobs, Tim Cook police come to your house and stop that. Yeah, but that, that begs the question, why is Apple selling something like Apple Remote Desktop, um, which for users who aren't familiar with it, this is a, a program that you use to control and manage multiple Macs. Um, if you've got three or four Macs in your house, you don't really need this, well, although it can be useful depending on what you're well, doing. Well, you already have that capability pretty much on your Mac. No, you don't. Do you use Apple Remote Desktop? Well, you have can you still do it? a share screen. Yeah, but Apple Remote Desktop lets you do things like install software on a number of computers. Sure, um, no, I understand the point. I understand the um, point why it's there. I'm it's, saying it's to much you that more powerful. That my, my, it's more powerful, yes, but some of what it does is already available on the regular Mac. This is adding yeah. business-related functions, as you say. It's available on a consumer product, a consumer software repository. So already, Apple has basically partially bridged this divide. Yeah. What I was going to say is that the, the real use for something like this is that you're in a small business or a school and you've got a network and you need to use this to manage a lot of Macs. Now, you don't need to install it on all the Macs you're managing. So if you buy it for one computer, let's say in a school, and you're managing 100 Macs, you know, it's a program that is being used technically commercially. I mean, school use would be commercial. You, you have a business with 50 Macs and you're using it. Um, you can do that for a, a much lower price than what the price was before. I'm, uh, now, it seems that they're still selling it uh, directly in boxes. Um, they're still selling iWork directly, but we don't know if they're going to stop selling iWork in the future. Since they've split the applications and they're selling them individually, um, or what about iLife? Will they stop selling iLife as it is um, in a box and sell the applications individually? A, a lot of these questions are up in the air, and it makes you know pe an awful lot of people who use iWork. I mean, these are productivity applications, a word processor, a spreadsheet, and a presentation application. A lot of these people are professional users. So why are they selling it in this way, saying that sort of technically professionals can't use it? it it's a little bit of a a contradiction. I think that's one of those version one, etc. kind of confusing aspects, features that have to be kind of fleshed out. There are a lot of gray areas here, as you always get with this kind of thing. You know, they basically built upon the iOS app store. That's where right. the inspiration comes in, the ideas and the concepts. Now, of course, because you're dealing with certainly a wider class of users of different types who run loads of apps from many sources, you have to find a way to accommodate different things. It's not like the App Store where you have basically one repository, although businesses can install their own apps separate from the App Store. Of course. So you have that lone exception, but that's it. So how do you deal with it here? Well, you say, okay, just go to another software repository and do what you want. Mm. People will get more and more used to the App Store. I mean, you're seeing the handwriting on the wall. This is step one. And once these gray areas are fleshed out, and i got to think they are going to be fleshed out over time, there's going to be a point where third-party software repositories are going to disappear. They have to. I'm not convinced of that. Um, I'll give you some anecdotal information. I've talked to a number of developers. Um, first of all, most of them are doing much better than they expected on the Mac App Store. 
Second of all, some of them are seeing their sales on their website not at all be affected by the Mac App Store. So it makes you think that we're dealing with two totally different clienteles here. There, there are a lot of people who follow the blogs and read the magazines, and, and you and I, we read app reviews, and we go to websites, we download a demo, and we try out an application, and if we like it, we buy it. But I think there's a much larger share of Mac users that never do any of these things, that don't ever buy applications, and for whom the Mac App Store being present on their Macs and with the icon in their docs, and maybe these people don't even think of removing icons from the docs, will find applications that they would never have found. And I'm seeing people who are making more money on the web plus more money on the Mac App Store and for whom sales aren't affected. So I I think that these are really two different groups of people and that the Mac App Store is going to fill a need for one class of user and we're going to continue seeing applications sold via websites. Now, there there are some developers now. Yeah, but there are some developers who said that they're going to go entirely to the Mac App Store. It makes their life maybe a lot easier than selling their applications on the web. Um, but I'm not convinced that it's a long-term strategy that's really useful. Because remember, there are no demo versions in the Mac App Store. So whereas, let's take Pixelmator. They, they announced they're going to go entirely Mac App Store. Now, it's a $30 application. Are you prepared to spend $30 for a program that you can't even try out for five minutes to see if it fits your usage or even to see if it works well on your Mac? Okay, that, of course, is the big question. This is the other gray area, the inability to have the limited-purpose free version or timestamp version to introduce the app and then say, okay, you've got 30 days to try it out. After 30 days, if you want it, you've got to go back to the App Store. We give you the little icon you can click. Okay, Mm -hmm. click here, go to the App Store, buy the full version. I suppose that could be done. But then Apple doesn't allow time-limited versions, at least not now. Right. So the demo would have to come off the developer's website, and then they would push the buyers to the Mac App Store. Now, this is entirely possible, and maybe some people don't want to deal with the hassle of selling directly. Even though they're giving up 30% to Apple, this compares to what, what, what I understand anywhere from about 10 to 15% are sort of – standard fulfillment costs if anyone has a sophisticated shopping card. If it's shareware and it's just a PayPal payment, then it's limited to the PayPal costs. Um, but, you know, this all costs money running a website um, with, with, you know, running a website with secure web pages to buy things and shopping carts and getting the approval from credit card companies. There's a lot of work that goes into this. So I can totally understand companies decide not to do it. Well, This is something where I guess companies are going to have to decide what kind of marketing plan do you have. You know, does giving people the free version help sell the product? Or do they just stick with the free version, the time-limited version, and very few buy and pay the user license, which is another big issue? You know, we don't know. We don't know where that goes and how that applies, how it basically plays out. Well, when when we're talking about a standard demo that, let's say, 30 days, um, I'm unlikely to spend more than a few bucks on an application if I can't try out a demo. I'm not going to spend 30 or $40 for something if I'm not sure how it works. 
there, there can be a number of reasons. Again, it just, you know, you might want to see if something fits into your workflow. Uh, you might not be sure if it imports or exports certain types of files, um, how well it works on your screen if you have a, a small screen or a big screen. And there are all sorts of variables. Well, you know, the way it can work now, assuming it did work, is demo version available at this site in the App Store. So you go to the demo version, get it. And the demo version says after 30 days, now go to the App Store if you want the real app. So in a sense, you know, that's one possibility to include that as part of your promotion of the product when you basically describe the product, if Apple allows that as a means of promotion. Speaking of promotion, I want to promote something. It's called the Tech Night Owl Live Forums, the Tech Night Owl Live Community Forums, obviously, at forum.technighthowl.com. That's forum.technighthowl.com. Here's how it works. You sign up with the forums. You give yourself a unique username. So, for example, you can call yourself Flash Gordon, okay? Assuming there is no Flash Gordon already who has joined our forums, I'll call yourself Superman or Captain Marvel. I like superheroes. I think that's part of the problem. So join up, forum.technightowl.com. We look forward to seeing you online. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors. Mac security threats come in many forms. Trojan horses and other types of malware try to infect your Mac. Booby-trapped websites try to steal your personal information. And hackers try to get into your Mac over a network. Intego Virus Barrier X6 is much more than just an antivirus program. Virus Barrier X6 protects against all these threats and more. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Alley C. Why Alley C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Alley C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Alley C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Alley C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Alley C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Alley C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Alley C. For more information and to order Alley C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Alley C today. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued. So I used the program methods, and after filing one piece of paper... 
the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With zero debt in 90 days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now. 800-477-9256. And ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks, Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare and have joined forces to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I want you to join our InfoWars team. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Kirk McElher, an author, commentator, and all sorts of other stuff. And we won't tell you what that stuff is because it gets to be pretty strange. No, it really? doesn't. I'm Gene Come Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So I'm saying, and the suggestion I made before we broke for this segment, is that if Apple allowed that in the description of the product saying, demo version available from, and with the condition, of course, that, you know, the company... If they offer the demo version this way, that demo version, when it expires, will include a click that sends you back to the App Store to buy a copy. I don't know. I can see Apple doing that if it's a developer who's only selling on the Mac App Store. And that Apple would be a says, condition or only selling that particular product on the App right, Store. Right, that saying, particular product. You buy the 30-day version. Now you've got to click on this icon if you want the full-featured version it will send you right back to the App Store to get it. Yeah, because to, to use sales speak, Apple's the one that's sort of generating the lead. And for them to generate the lead to sell off of their site means that Apple's putting up an infrastructure and losing sales that are generated from their site. So that, you know, in a way, it's not fair. But I, I could see that if Apple goes to developers and says, okay, if you're only if you're going to commit to being 100% sales on our Mac App Store, we'll let you put a demo, a link or to a demo version. Right. You know, I don't know that whether Apple cares or not. I think the key is here is not whether Apple is making money from the store because their claim with something like this or iTunes or the App Store is the cut they take, the 30% they're taking or whatever percentage they get from the music companies in the iTunes store, that percentage covers their infrastructure, their billing system, for running all this thing, for building the apps, et cetera, et cetera, they're not making much of a profit. You they're know doing that's it to wrong? sell hardware. You know that's wrong. And this is is I've it wrong? That. Because that's what Apple hold on, says. Hold on. 
Gene, hold yes. on. I've been saying that for years, and this is what the industry was basically saying, and this is what I heard from contacts um, who knew a lot more about it than I did. Um, but Apple announced for the first time in their earnings call, what was it, mid, mid-January, they announced for the first time how much money they make from the iTunes store. And I'm thinking this was the annual figure. I don't really recall, but the number they gave was $1.1 billion. Now, in the early days, it was clear that the iTunes music store, just selling music, was set up to sell iPods, and they weren't making money. But they never announced how much they made in the past, and I think they're announcing it now because it has reached a certain amount of value. You know, with all of the iOS apps that they're selling for iPhones and iPads, um, it's turning into a lot of money. Now, again, I'd have to – I'm sorry, I didn't prepare for this, but um, I'm not sure if that was for the year – 2010 or the final quarter, I'm going to guess it's for the year. I can't imagine them making $4 billion in a year, so $1 billion in a quarter. But it shows that they are making money off of this now. Granted, it's on the iOS side, it's to sell music and videos and, and apps for iOS. On the Mac side, it's not going to sell the hardware. However, you know, there's something extremely pleasant about buying something from the Mac App Store. And it's similar to the iTunes store. You look at something, you click, you enter your password, it gets installed. No hassle, no disk image to mount, no installer to run. You don't have to find where the file goes. It's all automatic. And I can really see people buying an awful lot more software because it's so easy to do. And not only buying, but also downloading free apps. There are plenty of free apps that are, that are very popular on the Mac App Store. Well, as I say, if it becomes a big profit center for Apple, I could see the incentive not to want the software developers to give you these options of the free version. On the other hand, you know, as you say, if they basically confine you to the App Store, it would work. I think in the end, though, and we're not talking about version 1.0 in January 2011. We're talking about version 2, version 3. I think most apps sold for the Mac platform will be through the App Store, that Apple will find a way to accommodate the exceptions, or at least most of the exceptions. I think it's very possible that in numbers, most of them will be sold through the Mac App Store. But we're looking, again, at an awful lot of applications that are at very low prices. So I don't think this is going to be, in terms of actual volume, most of them being sold in that way. But time will tell. We don't know. This is, you know, this is all new for us. It's new for anyone because... Windows hasn't done this yet. Makes you wonder why Windows didn't do this before as well. Well, that's always the issue here, too. You know, they're waiting for Apple to do it. And then they'll come up with their own version two years later, which yeah. will reflect the first version of the App Store. They're always two years behind. Remember yeah. the Windows factor. You know, like two years from now, they're going to have ARM processors for some of their products. You know, an ARM processor version of Windows. Of course, that puts them five years behind Apple. Okay, I don't know what to say here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so they're getting worse as they progress. Hey, we only have a few minutes left. So all in all, at this point, how would you rate the Mac App Store? Um, well, let's take a, a sort of five-star rating system like we use on Amazon and everything else. I'd give it a good three and a half stars, um, maybe even four, because usability is, is excellent. What did they announce at launch? Something like more than 2,000 applications and a lot of them being free. Um, the selection isn't very broad. There's some big Mac apps, as iLife and iWork apps and Aperture and things like that. And there are some well-known applications 
uh, among the Mac community. You've got things like Pixelmator and Coda. Um, you've got things like BB Edit. Uh, or text wrangler or free text editor. Um, so there's a number of interesting applications, but I think we need to see an awful lot more. Well, we're going to have to see where this progresses. This is going to be the beginning of a full direction. I'm predicting again that the handwriting's on the wall in a couple of years. Most Mac apps, and we're talking about a very high percentage, will come through the Mac App Store. They will work out deals with Microsoft. They will work out deals with Adobe to figure out how these complicated installers can function, how they can be handled. Maybe there's a way you can download the app, and once you launch it after it downloads, then it installs what it has to install. If you get my well, point. Some apps you know, do that we, now. You know, right. I was going to say we've seen that. There are some apps where you download a tiny installer. It's maybe 100K. And you then choose what you're installing or whatever. And you give your password to the installer. And then it downloads from the company's website what it needs to install. Um, I can't remember the last time I've seen that. But it was definitely an Adobe or some similar type of application that does that. All right. Well, that's one possibility. Yeah. Or it's downloading it direct from the App Store. Or basically, most of the app is downloaded, and it's just well, maybe the auxiliary files that have to be installed. The, the questions there are the files that need to get put into the system space and or privileges that need to be administrative instead of regular user. And if Apple can allow that sort of stuff, I know why they don't want to. They don't want privilege escalation in an application that in a free application that you've downloaded um, that may end up having malicious code that they didn't spot. They don't want the responsibility, and they're totally right to, to think this way. Um, they don't want a free application or a cheap game to install things in, a, in their system folders. Yeah, um, but understand something. If it installs something, it has to be contained in files that come from Apple and have been approved by Apple. It can install something from another server. Or it must contain that within the body of this bundle, this application bundle, has to contain these auxiliary files, which are simply stuff that Apple has checked and approved. They're only installing what's already there. Yeah, but now another thing is that if it's installing stuff in the system space, you risk having conflicts between different applications. Um, we'll see them as much as we used to back in the OS 9 day, you know, extension conflicts. But these kinds of things can still happen. And by putting everything in the user space with no system functions in these applications, it makes it generally impossible that there be conflicts between anything that's installed and, you know, the operating system itself or other applications. Of course, the secret might be that Mac OS X Lion will incorporate extra features in the system that will allow for this kind of scenario. Sandboxing, yeah. And that would simply allow you to do this. This way, virtually any app could be sold there, except, of course, when you get to the situation where you have the multiple user licenses. They're going right. to have to figure out some way to handle that. And that would yeah. be an interesting question. Where do we find more of the stuff that you do where you answer questions, Kirk McElhern? McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, um, Twitter at McElhern, and Macworld, where I write lots of stuff. 
And that's why he doesn't list it, because, you know, with any kind of magazine, you submit the article today, it's out two months later or next week. Nah, no, you know, not anymore, because what, what, what we write for the web, so generally I know when stuff comes on the web, obviously after it hits the web, then it goes into print, and that's a couple months later. But on the website, things are much, much, we're much more nimble than we used to be. Nimble Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Coming up next on the Tech Night How Live, we'll be featuring John Mortolero from the Mac Observer. He'll talk about, you know, the executive situation over at Apple and about his suggestion for marketing the next iPad. We'll then hear from Avram Pilch later in the show from Laptop Magazine. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have John Martellero. He's from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. And as he's reminded us on previous episodes, he used to work for Apple. Now, let's look at the current situation at Apple. Steve Jobs last week decided to take another sick leave, sick leave number three of unknown duration. Chief Operating Officer Tim Cook was put in charge all over again. So knowing how Apple works, do you have any insights to offer about Steve Jobs' situation? Really, really serious or just the need to kind of step back and spend more time dealing with his health? Well, I don't know anything about Steve's situation right now in terms of anything new uh, whether something has come up that needs attending to, whether the the cancer or the or the liver situation has has uh, reemerged, I don't know anything about that. Um, and if I did have some ins- inside information about it, I'd probably not talk about it because it's his own business, uh, subject to you know, shareholder concerns. Well, that's the issue um, I think that's most important here, and that is how much information is a shareholder entitled to about. A CEO who's sick. I mean, we had another situation there where in another company, someone had cancer and then eventually stepped down. But I gather it wasn't disclosed initially. Here's the thing, Gene. It's all based on a false premise. And I want to talk about that in some detail. The premise is, is that Steve is so vital to the company that if he were to get sick and, and retire or, or something worse, that the company would fall apart and the stockholders' investments would be at risk. I believe that's baloney. Apple is a very large, successful, successful company. They're growing. Uh, if Steve were to just hang up 
issues tomorrow and say, I'm retiring, I'm going to go play golf, Apple would be just fine. There was an article this week at Newsweek that went into some detail about that and how Disney fell apart for 20 years after Walt died and the Land Corporation lost its way. But I don't think that's proof that Apple doesn't have the talent in place. I wrote an editorial uh, last week about Apple, Apple's secret weapons. And everybody's making a fuss about how Apple can't function, they can't innovate without Steve. Yes, he's the greatest inventor, he's a luminary, he's, he's another Thomas Edison, he's another Henry Ford. He will go down in history. But there are lots of other really talented people at Apple backing him up who will emerge to have their own unique personalities and their own gifts and talents. And this this team is well able to take care of Apple for the foreseeable future. And I don't think it's a big problem. So the investors are really kind of just being weak-kneed and, and working on a false premise, in my opinion. Well, we have to look at this, too. He first got cancer in 2004, first was discovered having pancreatic cancer. I would assume being a really smart businessman... At that time, he knew, you know what, this may be the time I buy the farm, that he went ahead and made sure there was a proper succession plan. Oh, sure. Sure. You'll notice also, at more and more of the meetings, he brings on his executive team to present sure. presentations saying, these are the guys who develop these products and they know all about them. It's not just me. Tim Cook's uh, deal with Lowell McAdam at Verizon was Tim Cook's coming of age, so to speak. Not that he wasn't competent before, but I believe that was his big CEO assignment. In other words, you get the iPhone done deal with Verizon. And never mind the fact that Steve Jobs and Ivan Seidenberg don't get along. Tim Cook, you go talk to Lowell. You make this happen. And this will be your coming of age and you're ready to take the reins as CEO. I believe that Tim Cook is on the list. I think it's, I think it's insane in the extreme the way some journalists are talking about Eric Schmidt being a candidate. The other guy was a traitor. He sat on the board. He was in, you know, he was a spy. You know, he screwed up by staying around too long at Apple, and then he went to back to Google and screwed up there um, in a lot of different ways. So, okay, okay, Tim Cook is Tim Cook is the front runner, no doubt. Okay, no doubt. Let's go back to Eric Schmidt. Screwed up in a number of ways. Before we go back to Tim Cook and cover his situation and what he's done, how has Schmidt screwed up at Google? Well, you know, there was, the, along with the Steve Jobs article this week, there was a, a sidebar column at the bottom that talked about Google. And it talked about how uh, the, the founders uh, needed some adult supervision because they were in their early 30s and Eric was supposed to provide that. It turned out that Eric wasn't the adult supervision they were looking for. He went off half-cocked on a lot of things. The, the, uh, the Google Wave Mail crashed and burned. That didn't work out. Google TV is a fiasco. Uh, nobody's going to sit in their lap with a, with a keyboard and, and use a browser and, and take their system apart and insert a, a box in, in between their, their DVR and their TV Excuse me, Joe Wilcox, if you're Joe Wilcox, of course, you'll do that because he loves Google TV. I think he's the only yeah, person on the planet. Technologists love it. it and they write cool things about it. And, they, you know, the geeks really love it. But the average home user just wants to sit down with a simple remote and watch TV. And they're not going to tear their system apart. When, when you find out you have to insert this Google box between your DVR and the TV, your wife goes, what? 
and then I'm going to have to use a keyboard and I'm going to have to scroll around and find stuff. No way, honey. I want my remote back. It's just not going to happen. And then there's the lawsuit where Oracle's claiming copyright infringement. And that's going to be potentially a big problem for, for Google. Uh, an attorney who consults with the Mac Observer has been looking at the evidence and thinks that Google's going to have to work really hard to defend this one because Oracle's got him cold. Um, and you also remember that Oracle, of course, their CEO is. And remember, of course, that the CEO of Oracle, Larry Ellison, is Steve Jobs' good buddy. <laughs> um, Google has done several things to upset uh, the community. You know, they made it their goal with, uh, with the online apps uh, to uh, undermine Microsoft Office. Uh, they, they've almost turned into another Microsoft where everything Apple does that's cool Google had to come along and do as well. And, and, and Google has uh, thrown a lot of things out there to, uh, to see what sticks, so to speak. And nothing much has sticked. And it's stuck. Uh, it hasn't been very productive. People are not raving about Google making great products. Um, that's why Eric Schmidt had to step down. So are they going to just leave the current group, the original founders, in charge for a while, find Schmidt's replacement to become the adult in the organization again? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I think they need to go through kind of a settling period where they're going to figure out what they're going to do with their money that's helpful, that can take them into the future. They really have kind of lost their way. They've tried a lot of things. Nothing has worked. They've had more money than they knew what to do with. And uh, I can't see that they've done much uh, productive in the way with that money, the way Apple has with the iPhone and the iPad. Some people believe, of course, that the Android OS is doing pretty well. Well, Android OS is in the long term is it going to be in trouble. I think it's going to get more and more fragmented. Um, I think there's going to be security issues. Uh, as we move into the digital wallet, I think the iPhone is going to become the trusted, secured uh, digital wallet of the future. Um, vendors are modifying Android any way they want for their own purposes, which you know screws up the, the code tree, uh, as China has done. Um, I just don't see any adult supervision there either. We'll get more into that and other subjects in a moment. A reminder, we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us direct, news at technighthowl.com. That's news at technighthowl.com. We welcome your suggestions, what you like about our shows, what you don't like, and maybe suggestions for future guests. Maybe suggestions for future guests. No, I don't think we're going to have Steve Ballmer or Steve Jobs on the show. But you're welcome to suggest people who might come on. We have, we'll get into more of the problems of Google and then go back to whether Tim Cook's going to be Steve Jobs' replacement as CEO on a permanent basis and more stuff. John Martellero of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi. 
This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com If you're serious about playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest-running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation, specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure. There's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888-NUC-MVP1 or go to nationalunderclassmen.com to find out more. Most of us eat a blend of processed, man-made, and all-natural food. But the food you eat may not provide all the nutrition your body needs. We now know that liquid vitamin supplements are absorbed faster than pills. That's why you need C-Energy. From AffinityCEnergy.com Sea vegetation is known to be the richest source of organic minerals, and that's what you'll find in all-natural, great-tasting Sea Energy. Sea Energy contains aloe vera, black cherry, cranberry, and pomegranate juices, plus ginseng, cat's claw, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and over 50 trace minerals needed for healthy metabolism, all from natural organic sea plant sources. Get a 10% discount by using promo code GCN at checkout when you order Sea Energy from AffinitySeaEnergy.com. Call 855-732-3637. That's 855-732-3637. Or go to AffinitySeaEnergy.com today. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have John Martellero from the Mac Observer at macobserver.com. And on the Tech Night Owl Live, we were talking about starting off, of course, whether the ultimate or the best possible replacement CEO for Apple is Tim Cook. But we segued into talking about, well, what's going on at Google and the problems Google is facing. So we have the situation here where Android is fragmented, where if you buy an Android phone, John, as you know, there's no guarantee you can get the latest software because that's up to the carrier. The carrier has to decide if they're going to push that to you, and maybe it's the cheaper model. It's not worth it for them, so you don't get the newest, latest, and greatest. There's no guarantee you're going to get the same interface because the carrier may put their own custom skin. There's no guarantee you're even going to get Google search because Verizon is giving you Bing on some of the models. There's no guarantee that the apps are the same. Plus, it's showing up on all these tablets when Google said, don't use it. It's not appropriate for tablets. But vendors were in a hurry to compete with Apple, and they put Android version 2.x on the tablets anyway. And it's not going to be a great experience. Yeah, I think 2.2 is the one they're using. 2.3 and later will be certified. I don't know. Okay, so you think that the Android OS is a flash in the pan or whatever the carriers could get other than the iPhone, especially Verizon Wireless, because they couldn't compete otherwise. I think it will endure. It's not a flash in the pan, but I think it will end up being um, such a fragmented commodity that nobody can make any money off of their phones with it. Developers are jumping on the bandwagon now because they see the opportunities uh, in in the short term, and especially for tablets that are emerging. Uh, We'll see. Um, Personally, I don't think Android has a bright future. All right. We'll see how time takes us. Let's go back to Tim Cook. Now, you told me before we started that you, when you worked at Apple, had a few occasions to talk with Tim Cook. What was your impression? He's a very adult, calm self-confident fellow. Uh, As we know, he's really put the Apple inventory and and finances in in good shape in terms of getting stuff into the pipeline, contracts, getting stuff ordered. He's run the company before when Steve was on leave. Uh, He's got a great background. He came from IBM. He's unflappable. Uh, He makes good decisions. The thing that interests me is, is that a lot of journalists... And magazines want to make a big fuss about the fact that he's not Steve Jobs. And so when, if and when Steve leaves, Apple's in trouble and, and, and Cook's not up to, the, up to snuff. I think that's wrong, in my opinion. I think he's perfectly capable of running the company as a CEO. And I think the people he works with, Scott Forstall and, and Phil Schiller, are very capable of speaking for the company. Tim is not a great public speaker, he can do the earnings reports, but you just know that you know he needs to stay behind the scenes and, and, and roll up his sleeves and run the company. 
Or Other maybe spend a couple of weekends learning how to deliver no, public gonna, presentations. Not going to happen. And I don't think he has the same, the same complete personality and vision uh, that Steve Jobs has. But there are other people who are dyed in the wool with that. Jonathan Ive and Bertrand Strelay and Scott Forstall and Phil Schiller understand Apple. They, they're, the, they're the heartbeat of Apple. They know what makes Apple tick. And they're perfectly capable. I mean, Phil Schiller has been senior vice president of product marketing. He, he lives and breathes every product and everything that Apple does. And when I was working for Apple, as you mentioned, Phil Schiller threw his weight around a lot more than you would think. A lot of decisions, internal policy decisions, um, sales decisions, decisions about conferences and how Apple would appear, supercomputing and, and other things were in Phil Schiller's lap. Uh, he handled those pretty well. So I I think Phil understands the company enough that if Tim Cook is humble enough to realize that he can't be a Steve Jobs replacement, but he should keep on doing what he can do and his exploit his strengths and recognize the talent that he has around himself and not get too arrogant and get the team continuing to work together well, then Apple will be fine. They'll, they'll be just great. I think the concern here is that, okay, Tim Cook is the operations guy. Where's the vision? Where's the person who will look at Apple's proposed products and say, green light this, fix this, make this better, take out this feature, don't do that? Phil and Scott. They can do it. They can do it. I think one time Phil Schiller was quoted as saying, you know what, one of the important things about product design is to know what features to take out. That's right. He understands Apple as well as any executive next to Steve. I know, he, of course, he plays his foil in public. You know, here's kind of that slightly plump guy who Steve calls up on iChat or something and has a quick, humorous conversation. He's got a pleasant sense of humor. He's a pretty nice guy. I've met him a few times. I've talked to him, not at length, but for a while. People underestimate him as a result. Of course. You think, oh, he's just an amiable goofball. And he's not. <laughs> no, no, no. So you think Apple's in fine shape if Jobs leaves, even now if he's working two days a week and he's making key decisions along the way, well, that might be more than sufficient. I think it is. You know, if he stays where he is, he can do that indefinitely, one hopes. Even if he's in the hospital bed, he can do that if we're going to get morbid about it. Well, I th no one that I know knows the state of Steve's health. This could be something he has to attend to, uh, and he'll be back to work. But, you know, sooner or later, he'll, he'll retire. Uh, you can't go through the health situation he's gone through without thinking about, you know, when it's time to retire. Um, if he were in perfect health, uh, he might think about staying at Apple until he's 70 years old, like, you know, like Edwin Land. But he'll probably think about spending more time with family as he gets older. And the Apple team has to recognize that. And that team has been together for a long time. Uh, I wrote that in my editorial last week. Think about it. I mean, that, that, that executive team of uh, Cook and Schiller um, and, let's see, one other, Ivan Oppenheimer, they've been together for almost a decade now. I mean, if they can't, if that hasn't been enough on-the-job training, with some very smart and talented people, <laughs> then I don't know what can be done. Well, probably it can. 
So we're looking at succession, whether Jobs comes back or not. Apple will persevere, live long and prosper. But now we look at the products. And you had an article that came out in the Mac Observer this week saying something just so obvious and logical that's worth discussing. And I guess the way to describe it in a few short words or less is to look at the iPhone line where you buy the iPhone 4, except for Verizon where it's a different deal, you buy the iPhone 4, but you know what? Maybe I don't have $199 or $299, and I don't care about being the best, fastest phone on the planet with retina display. I just want an iPhone to run most of the apps with pretty good performance. You buy an iPhone 3GS from 2009 for $49. We have John Martellaro. He's from the Mac Observer, MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the tech. Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. We the 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a silver dollar in a book explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And I raise the question here. So you get the older version of the iPhone, the 3GS, for $49, just above free. So if you never thought of paying $199 or $299 subsidized price for a phone, hey, $49, just above free, I'll buy that. So Apple should do the same thing perhaps with the iPad, right? I think they will. Well, by the way, um, before I go on, I think it was... Peter Oppenheimer, who talked about the average selling price of the phone, of the iPhone at the last earnings report, and it's about $600. Of course, you pay $49, and then there's a bump in your monthly charges so that the carrier can recover that money. But then they have to turn around and send some of that money back to Apple. As soon as you sign up with that contract, basically, AT&T has to send a check to Apple. I don't know when they have to send it, but they're getting a check on the average for 600 bucks worldwide for every phone. So obviously a $49 phone, if Apple's charging them, other carrier, AT&T and the other carriers around the world a little less for a 3GS, it's not hurting their sales. But it is an attractive retail you know, leader and advertising item. So, so, so here's the deal. The, the iPad is a very nice device. It's way ahead of the competition the, the, the competition is just beginning to catch up. They're sort of in a fix in terms of being able to spend billions and billions of dollars that Apple does to lock in contracts for, for commodity parts, for displays and, and, and motherboard components. So they're having a hard time building a, a tablet equivalent that has a great operating system, that has a large screen. They're having to settle for a 7-inch and is as fast and sell it for a low price. So what's the very, very best thing that Apple could do now that they've sold 14 million iPads and the cost of parts has probably come down a little? 
keep on selling it at a lower price when the new one comes out. In my article, I mentioned a uh, target price of maybe say three seventy nine for a first generation sixteen gigabyte iPad. This would have the competition throwing chairs around the office because just when they think that Apple's going to come out with an iPad two and it's going to be more exotic and more expensive. Apple's going to come out with an iPad 2 at the same introductory price of $499. It's going to be very hard for the competition to meet that. And for those people who don't care about the extra features or aren't allowed to take a camera into their workplace or who want to buy an inexpensive iPad for a spouse or for a, a son or a daughter, a $379 iPad 1 would be a very attractive price. It, it will have the competition just in a tizzy. So I predict that the Apple iPad 1 will continue on at a lower price. Apple will not have to worry about the gross margins, just like they didn't have to worry about them with uh, the iPhone. Places that sell it, like Best Buy, will be able to put a nice, attractive price in the window or in the newspaper or whatever on the website. It's a win-win. Plus, it helps Apple deplete their inventory if they want to, if they figure they'll have enough iPad 1s to last them you know, through June or July, um, it's a great way to get down to zero inventory. And if and a lot of people yeah. want the cheaper iPad, they can always ramp up the inventory. Yeah, they might. You know, they, if it if the program works really well, they might have to place a new order even <laughs> for iPad ones at that price. And 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 they have such a huge market share um, that they can be confident that you know people are going to look at the the price and what they're getting and the quality of the product and all the things that they can do. There's 30,000 apps for the iPad that are native and there's 330,000 apps that you could run uh, that run on the iPhone that also run on the iPad. Many of them are not universal, which means that they don't fill up the screen properly and you can do a two X on it and, you know, blow it up and run the iPhone app on your iPad. But there are 30,000 native apps that are designed for the full screen of the iPad. And when you think about that, I mean, you think about iTunes, you think about how you have an account in iTunes, you think about all the movies that you can rent, you think about AirPlay, uh, you know, sending it over to your TV, you think about the, the, the size of Apple and the quality of the products and those 30,000 apps, and you have to ask yourself, why do you want to go off on a tangent and buy some little 7-inch off-the-wall, you know, Asus or, or Thing from Rim or Samsung Galaxy Tab that is, you know, kind of half-baked? Um, it just doesn't work. And then you have to pay more, likely, or it isn't going to be cost-competitive. So... Apple's really going to be in good shape in 2011. Now, I'm not guaranteeing they're going to do it, um, but, you know, I mentioned in my article there is precedent, as you pointed out. With a 3GS, it seems like a smart idea, and a lot of people agreed. Also think of it this way. Say you have a 349 or a 379 basic iPad, okay? An iPad classic, even. You know, it's kind of like we have the iPod classic or something like that. We have an iPad classic. Right. And then you look at the netbooks for $300 or $200. Gee, for 50 or or $100 more, I can get an iPad. Why do I care about this piece of junk? And right now, netbook sales are kind of tanking anyway, aren't they? They are. I read today that uh, some of their Asian rim uh, suppliers are going to be dumping their, their netbook uh, production and switching over to tablets. 
And it's the iPad's taking a big bite out of PC sales in general. Except, I guess, for the Mac, although maybe it's kind of a double-edged sword where it takes away some sales from Macs, but because more people from the PC world buy Apple products, they're attracted to the Mac, so it works both ways and comes out almost equal, although a sale is a sale. Okay, well, the last I- earnings report, Tim Cook said that he's not seeing cannibalization. They sold 4 million-plus Macintoshes in the last quarter. That's a record. And now we have to think also, was it 10 years ago, Apple was lucky to sell <laughs> 3 million a year? Yeah. Yeah, they were selling. When I joined Apple in 2000, they were selling about 600,000 Macs a quarter. Oh, boy, how far we've come. Okay, iPad 2. The camera, front-facing camera is a given. Do you think they'll have a rear-facing camera? It's kind of awkward, isn't it? That's a very good question. Um, my sense of it is, is that FaceTime is is golden. And you've got to have that for FaceTime. In terms of having a um, rear-facing camera for photography, I, I just don't see it being used that way. It, it's the kind of device that sits in your lap. It tends to stay around the lab or in your home. You definitely don't walk around on the street with it, you know, unless you're going, going between your hotel and Moscone Center at Macworld. <laughs> you're not carrying it around very much. Uh, so I, I just don't see two cameras on the next generation iPad. You know, it's kind of like the imitators say, gee, Apple doesn't have these features. We will have them. doesn't matter if the feature makes sense is practical, they have to have the feature because the flow charts and the bullet points in their PowerPoint presentation say, Apple doesn't have this feature, we must have it. And of yeah, course, you- take, a look, take a look also at your MacBook and MacBook Pro. Front-facing camera, no rear camera, because oh, yeah. it's ridiculous. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, knowing what to leave out is very important. Yeah, that's very much so. Okay, and the other thing here is possibly a thinner form factor of some sort. I mean, one of the problems with the current iPad is it's a little bit heavy for one-hand reading. Of course, your wrist gets pretty strong holding it. But we think, you know, will they find a way to shave a few ounces off it? All I know there is, uh, from what I've seen um, in the rumors, and the rumors are that um, there was one floating around CES uh, that looked like it wouldn't fit in the current cases, because it was uh, slim, had a flatter back. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I wouldn't be surprised um, at all um, to see a faster, lower power processor and a slightly smaller battery. wouldn't be surprised at all. And you're right. Um, being able to hold it in your hand while you're reading is very important. Although I tend to rest mine just as Steve Jobs did during his initial presentation. I tend to sit with it on my lap rather than holding it up in the air, you know, like a makeup mirror or something. Let's you know, hold this up in the air, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. I, I, We're talking you know, to John right. Martellero of the Mac Observer, MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. 
Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport Bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new Cyclass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y-WaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe1.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafe1.com or call toll free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night All Live. We've been speculating 
about the next iPad perhaps being lighter, thinner, maybe what, using carbon fiber that too expensive? Oh, that's the first time I've heard of that. Yeah, you know, they've got that unibody machining process uh, where they use the uh, high-pressure water to machine the aluminum. And that's a pretty efficient process. I don't think they're going to go away from that. So they can make it maybe a little bit thinner, maybe remove some of the black area around the screen bezel, shave a few ounces off it. I really hope that they go with the uh, double screen resolution, too. We've seen conflicting rumors on that. But Daniel Aaron Dilger at Roughly Drafted believes the uh, information we have so far that there will be a a 2,500 by 1,500-something display, you know, basically a retina display. Now, of course, Daniel, of course, has been on our show many times. He comes on every four to six weeks, and so we've heard his speculation about that. A lot of people are talking about, I guess, the big concern is what is the cost of the double resolution, the display? And the issue there would be, well, look, Apple's spending $3.9 billion, is it, on spare parts orders, on supplies, maybe they went to LG or Samsung and said, hey, we'll buy 100 million or 50 million flat panels, but they got to be double resolution. I think that's exactly what Apple does. Tim Cook mentioned in the last earnings report that they, they spend billions of dollars locking in contracts, uh, getting desirable prices. And that has several advantages. It puts them at the top of the list. They pay cash. Other vendors come along and they don't know that they're going to sell 14 million of their products in the first nine months. They hedge their bets. They have to control their costs. They're, they're not vertically integrated like Apple. They, they'll settle for the smaller screen. They'll settle for a smaller quantity. Um, they get to the bottom of the list because they want to pay you know, net 30, I'm guessing. I don't, I don't have any inside information on that, but... Uh, I have a feeling they're just not on as great terms as Apple is with these suppliers. And as a result, Apple can stay ahead of the game, make life difficult for the competition. So we've heard conflicting rumors about whether we'll get the double resolution and the iPad, too. Um, But Daniel Aaron Dilger, roughly drafted, believes the original information. I think there's been some disinformation lately trying to confuse the situation and tell us, no, 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 it's iPad 2 is going to have the same resolution. I don't believe so. I believe Apple has to go to the double resolution in order to kind of stick it to the competition here as they come out with their tablets in the spring. We're going to have to see if it takes place. I kind of think Apple will do it largely because not just making it a better value, but the competition's going to freak. I mean, right now, who has anything to match the retina display on the iPhone 4? And just like a football game, when you start panicking, you start making mistakes. Well, that's also, that's part of the issue there. Because the only way you compete with a company like Apple is you have to sit back and you have to think carefully. And you have to harness all the innovation in your company and find some vision. If the corporation CEO or operating officer doesn't have the vision, you got to talk to the people there, find the people who know what's going on, you know, because I'm sure, for example, in the days that Apple bought or hired the guy who created the iPod, he'd gone around to other companies and they didn't listen. Apple said, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, Steve Jobs listens and thinks this is an idea. Let's go for it. Also, think about it. Who's making money these days selling, quote, MP3 players? (laughs) Nobody. Apple got that completely locked up. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, at this point, who wants to enter the MP3 player game? Because once a product becomes a verb, 
which has already happened with the iPad. I mean, the iPad released last April. It's a verb. Everybody has an iPad. Even the congresswoman who was shot in Tucson, Arizona, we hear a story this week. She's already doodling as yeah, part of her recovery for- process on her iPad. Yeah, it's, it's just consume the American technical culture right now. A couple uh, are going to succeed. I think Hewlett Packard has the resources um, to put together a, a system that they own. You know, they own the web OS from, they bought from Palm. They can build the hardware. I think they'll, they'll, they'll build a product that will be compelling in some circles. Uh, the RIM playbook looks to be a pretty good product, although I, I read today uh, that uh, it's, apparently it's going to run RIM applications in emulation, uh, which could slow things down quite a bit. So I was kind of concerned about that. These are the kinds of corners that these companies back themselves into uh, when they're in a hurry to compete and haven't thought things out. You know, Apple's had a decade to quietly put this all together. You started with BSD, worked their way up, you know, to Mac OS X, the original Cheetah, brought along um, Xcode, uh, brought along the development tools, uh, worked their way up through the Mac OS X and then spun out iOS and Cocoa Touch. They've been doing this for a decade, and it's all come together, and it's allowed Apple to be very innovative and develop products very quickly. And you can see that the rest of the industry has not spent the last decade investing in that infrastructure. And as a result, result, they're doing silly things like putting Windows 7 on a tablet and giving you a stylus. You know, that that didn't work the first time. When the first generation tablets came out, uh, why they think it's going to work now, I have no idea. Well, it does look here that once the product becomes a verb, it's very hard for the competition. Just like the iPod's a verb, the iPad is a verb for a tablet computer. That's it. Game over. Unless Apple screws up royally and I can't see that. Listen, we only have a couple of moments left. Now, we haven't said much at all about Macworld Expo. They really didn't reach out to us as they've done almost every year to set up a presence or anything. You've got a crew out there. How's it going? Uh, As far as I know, uh, they're doing the usual thing. Um, They're meeting with a lot of developers, uh, visiting the booths and meeting people, uh, taking photos. There's supposed to be 25,000 visitors, which is on par with previous uh, Macworld Expos. Um, It's a great watering hole. It's just something that can't uh, be canceled because you know Apple pulled out. It's it's the pulse of the Apple community, developers, venture capitalists, writers, technologists, um, journalists. Everybody gets together at MacWorld, renews relationships, creates relationships, does business deals, uh, meets new people, uh, forms partnerships. Um, uh, gets inspired to work on the next big thing in the future um, and, and, and communicates everything they want to communicate to the Mac press uh, who are all out there covering it big time. So um, I think it's a very important event so far. Um, it's been successful last year and it's going to be successful this year. It's very important to the IT community too because there's a technical track, uh, not just the... Um, uh, the user sessions where people talk about, you know, how to do GarageBand or how to tune your Mac. Or t- 
tips and tricks on Mac OS 10, but, but, you know, really important things like, you know, deploying and managing thousands of iPhones in an organization or, or, or running Mac OS 10 server and, um, and, and server tools for, for an organization and administration concepts and, and, uh, common criteria, uh, for, uh, system security and uh, sharing of files between PCs and Macintoshes and directory services and all of those things that IT professionals need to know about and share ideas with each, with each other on. So it's it's a very energetic and very interesting conference. Um, this week, uh, Mac Observer covered uh, uh, the uh, sessions that the staff will be presenting so this week, uh, the Mac Observer started out with uh, uh, articles on uh, Wednesday uh, telling uh, readers about our own editors and the sessions that they're presenting. And then we'll be doing follow-up articles with uh, pictures. We did articles um, with uh, pictures of the sessions and the flow show floor. Um, Dave Hamilton and John Brown did a Mac Geek Gab uh, Saturday uh, live from um, Macworld. So, uh, yeah, we're, we've got a big team out there doing a lot of coverage. And you'll be doing that next year. Where do we find more of the stuff that John Martellero writes about? You can go to www.macobserver, one word, dot com. Speaking of promotion, I want to promote something. It's called the Tech Night Owl Live Forums. The Tech Night Owl Live Community Forums, obviously, at forum.technighthowl.com. That's forum.technighthowl.com. Here's how it works. You sign up with the forums. You give yourself a unique... So, for example, you can call yourself Flash Gordon, okay? Assuming there is no Flash Gordon already who has joined our forums, I'll call yourself Superman or Captain Marvel. I like superheroes. I think that's part of the problem. So join up, forum.technightowl.com. We look forward to seeing you online. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. It was great to be with you again. Enjoyed uh, chatting with you as always. And um, I think we covered some real interesting ground this time. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Returning with us for, I guess, his first appearance for 2011 is Avram Pilch, our friend from Laptop Magazine. And he was telling me before we got started on the Tech Night All Live that, you know, of course, we've had CES in Los Angeles, the Mac World Expo in San Francisco. He's going to trump us all by going to this mobile 
computer event in Barcelona, Spain. Tell me more. Sure. It's Mobile World Congress, which is fast becoming the world's premier show uh, for mobile phones and now for tablets. You know, the second week of February, I'm going to be there. All of your favorite um, mobile tech companies are going to be there showing their latest uh, phones and tablets. We don't expect to see much in the way of laptops, but we do expect to see just a ton of new stuff there. Uh, it's going to be much more exciting to see, yes. I expect, of course, Apple will not be there. Uh, that's right. Apple doesn't go to anything. Neither, neither, by the way, does Google go to anything. Uh, although I believe Eric Schmidt is a keynote speaker, Google never exhibits at these shows. They've, I guess, taken that, that idea from Apple that they're, I don't know, too big a company to participate in other, other people's shows or something. They only have their own show. Well, that's what's happened, of course, with Macworld Expo. Macworld Expo is focusing, you know, on stuff you do with your Mac, but not so much on Apple's products because Apple ain't there anymore. Yep. So I think this might be the last Macworld Expo because Apple isn't participating in it. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, that's like having a, uh, you know, Intel developer forum without Intel or a Windows uh, development uh conference without Microsoft. Well, of course, just in their defense, there's a report in the San Francisco Chronicle this week saying that, according to Paul Kent, who's the head of the Macworld Expo, that there will be about 25,000 people showing up at the Moscone Center in San Francisco up from last year, so maybe it will persist. We'll have to see. I have to say this in criticism to Macworld Expo, they did not at all reach out to the Tech Night Out Live to promote the event. And that's unfortunate. Well, in that case, they deserve to go out of business, clearly. Well, <laughs> what can you say? Tell me more about this event in Barcelona, though. Okay, so we don't have Apple, we don't have Google, but do we have, like, HTC and Motorola and people like that? HTC, Motorola, BlackBerry, Microsoft, Intel, uh, LG, uh, Adobe. Um, Adobe? Uh, NVIDIA, uh-huh. ARM. Uh, yeah, Adobe uh, is going to be showing something. I'm not sure what yet, but I know I have a meeting with them. Uh, these are all, I'm, I'm kind of listing for you off some of the many companies that I'm going to be meeting with when I'm there. Uh, I mean, I, I recently posted to our website um, sort of our what we expect to see at Mobile World Congress, and we're expecting to see just a lot of new products. There's about 10 trends that we that we see coming out of Mobile World Congress. I think the most important of these are we expect to see some honeycomb tablets running the new version of Android. Uh, no one has told us yet that you know to expect it, but uh, you know considering that Motorola showed the Zoom tablet uh, with honeycomb on it at CES, I would expect that we're going to see uh, more tablets running honeycomb. Uh, we expect to see the first phone with 3D with glasses free 3D on a phone we expect to see stop there stop there yeah. glasses free 3D now, I have to point out that just a couple of weeks ago we had someone from a company called 3D Fusion which is doing yeah. that over at CES there were fledgling displays of potential technologies with 3D without the glasses so how does this manifest itself on a phone Good question. That's the that's the rumor that I I believe 
is that LG is going to show something called the Optimus 3D. Uh, are you asking how does it work or why would you bother? Um, uh, how about both? Well, uh, how does it work is, is very interesting. Um, obviously, it, it basically adjusts the emitter to your eyes. Uh, we saw at CES, actually slightly before CES, we got a briefing with uh, Toshiba, which is coming out with a glasses-free 3D notebook. And their glasses-free 3D notebook really blew me away. Uh, you know, they showed us Avatar on that thing, and it was just as good as being in the movie theater, only I didn't need glasses, which was fantastic. Uh, they used some kind of eye tracker. They used the webcam to actually track your eyes. So it first does a facial identification. It tracks your eyes as you kind of move your, your head and, and kind of move your eyes around, and it adjusts the image uh, to be kind of a perfect 3D from where you're sitting. Now, how exactly it manages to, you know, sort of make things appear layered, I'm, I'm still trying to become facile with how 3D technology actually creates the visual illusion. Um, I know it's somewhat con controversial because uh, a lot of purists hate 3D. Uh, I'm sure you, you read the, the Roger Ebert column, I think, uh, that's been circulating around about you know why 3D doesn't work and and all of that, uh, but just as a technology, it's really impressive. And I have to say that if the LG phone uses similar technology to what we saw on the Toshiba notebook, uh, it's going to be very impressive. It'll also be interesting to see, Abram, whether this translates affordably to a 32, a 52-inch LCD TV or a plasma TV because that's the real thing. It's not just a notebook, but what do you do if you're tracking the eye movements of five people sitting in front of your TV set? They, they can't do it. Like, that's what Toshiba told us. They have a different technology for... Uh, they can't use eye tracking for TV because of that, because you, you, you need to account for multiple audience members. However, they do have some kind of glasses way of doing it glasses-free. So it's not clear to me how it works, and I haven't seen one. But uh, but supposedly uh, you could do glasses you could do glasses free uh, with multiple people. And frankly, there are actually quite a few other companies that are also doing glasses free stuff. So as much as I I like some of the solutions we're seeing on notebooks now in terms of 3D with glasses, I bet you within a year. Uh, within a year or a year and a half, it's going to be all glasses-free, uh, at least on the notebook side. And then, you know, inevitably, it's going to go into phones and into into TVs. But the TVs are such a big cash cow uh, for the big box stores and for, you know, and for vendors. I don't know if the price is going to drop because they just make a lot of money at that. It's a luxury item. It depends, I think, largely on the acceptance, because right now I don't see a lot of people buying 3D TVs. And part of it is the cost, but part of it is also the fact that, you know, why do I buy this TV, spend 500 or or $1,000 more, and there are five movies out there? Or there are one or two sporting events. We're seeing more of that. There's got to be content. It's that, you know, chicken, you know, versus egg syndrome. And we have to see what's going to happen and whether it's going to make sense. Yeah, no question. I don't want a 3D TV. I want to tell you something about Avatar. I saw the 3D version. 
in the motion picture house with the regular glasses, the cheap glasses. And then I came home. And on my not new, but, you know, fairly recent plasma TV set, 50-inch, we saw the Blu-ray version of Avatar. And I enjoyed it just as much. I didn't see the need for 3D in the home. I mean, if it's done seamlessly, if you don't get a headache from the glasses, you know, we'll take it in stride. But I think it's still premature. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I mean, for me, it's not a, it's not a, fe- it's kind of a gee whiz feature. I enjoy, you know, as a journalist, uh, seeing it as a new technology. It's not something I feel like is required for me to enjoy my television experience or my computing experience. And I'm still kind of up in the air about whether I even like it uh, in motion pictures. But I feel a bit like a bit of an old fogey saying that because it seems to be where the industry is going. Well, we can always watch The Green Hornet and Cato is faithful <laughs> servant in 3D there if you want to see a comedy version of The Green Hornet, who, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the original The Green Hornet was actually the great-grand-nephew, the name Reed, of course, of The Lone Ranger. It was created by the same people. That's really trivia. You know, it really ages me. We have Avram Pilch. The publication he works with is Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Hey neighbors, Mac security threats come in many forms. Trojan horses and other types of malware try to infect your Mac. Booby-trapped websites try to steal your personal information. And hackers try to get into your Mac over a network. Intego Virus Barrier X6 is much more than just an antivirus program. Virus Barrier X6 protects against all these threats and more. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flew away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. 
gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. <laughs> Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We continue with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We segued from Barcelona to what happened at the CES about the potentials for 3D anywhere and everywhere. And as we speak, we're, I guess, almost on the eve of the arrival of the iPhone on the Verizon wireless network. Should we even care? You know, if you're an investor in Verizon, you should care. If you're an iPhone owner who is you know committed to the iphone really loves the iphone and is unhappy with at&t you should care but i think if you're in the general public you really shouldn't care that much uh, frankly i think this has been one of the most boringly overblown stories of my entire uh, working life not because it doesn't matter to people it does matter a lot but it's just there's not a lot new here i mean they're not making any significant changes to the device you know verizon's network we're all very familiar with it but we keep putting up news items, you know, we in the press, all of us, we're all guilty. We keep, you know, for years we put up news items, is it coming to Verizon? Is it coming to Verizon? And now that it's coming, the news items are like, news flash, it's going to have the same data plans as the Motorola Droid. Well, what did you expect? It's on Verizon. It uses the same plans. You know, there's nothing, I don't know, from a kind of a, you know, what's new and hot and interesting perspective, it's not that interesting. Uh, but if you're one of those people who, you know, loves the iPhone and hates AT&T, then this is a nice, this is a good day for you. 
this is a good month for you. But otherwise, you know, business as usual, this isn't breaking any new ground. Okay, speaking very specifically of AT&T, you're in New York City. Okay, how is AT&T for you? Do you have an AT&T account? Me personally, no. Uh, some people I do, you know, here at Laptop have AT&T accounts. I think we're pretty well split in this office between uh, the four major carriers. I would say, you know, mixed, mixed results, uh, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad that we hear. So it's, it's hard to say. Sometimes you can get a good connection. I think for each person, it's going to vary depending on where you live and where you're, you're active a lot of the time. If you're on AT&T now and it's doing well for you, well, then you should definitely stay with it. If you're on Verizon now and it's doing poorly for you, then you might want to move to AT&T. I think nationally, Verizon has a much better reputation than AT&T, but you really have to go by what the signal is like in your area. And if, you're, and if your listeners don't know what carrier to go with, I think you've got to, of course, look at the plans, but you also have to look at the coverage map in your area and just, frankly, talk to people in your area and see what, or, or read up on what other people who live in your specific city are doing. I can tell you here in New York, you know, Verizon has a very strong reputation. Sprint has a very strong reputation. And the reputation of AT&T isn't so fantastic in this area. And I know it's also not so fantastic on the West Coast. That's reputational from talking to people. Every person really has to see, you know, for themselves how it performs. Well, at least, you know, at least you have a choice now. You're not stuck with one carrier. And there are ways to exit. I mean, right now, Verizon Wireless is offering trade-ins for the iPhone. So if you have an iPhone with AT&T and you're confronting possibly an early termination charge, you can consider that. Or you might go to eBay. But as you say, you look at your experience with your carrier. And if it's AT&T and you like it, fine. If you don't, you go to Verizon, vice versa. It's just another dealer, folks. But it's still the iPhone. You know, the iPhone is a separate issue. Yes, there you know, are minor differences because of the difference in networks. But there you go. I think more people should be talking about what do you expect to see in iPhone 5? Do you yeah, have any see, ideas? That's more interesting to me because there we'll actually see some innovation. So let's consider that. Obviously, with Apple, it's all so close to the vest. So it's very hard to say what, you know, what's definitely coming. But what I expect from Apple, because I don't expect them to be behind the curve, is I expect them to finally move to 4G, where right now they're way behind the curve. Everybody else is, on four, is moving to 4G, but Apple hasn't done it yet. So I expect that they will have an LTE, the phone will be LTE on Verizon, and it will use HSPA Plus on AT&T. I also expect that uh, they're going to uh, obviously use a faster processor that, that almost goes without, without saying. And I would also expect them to include a near-field communications chip uh, because we're seeing that on all the Android phones now, and that's a technology that's, that's up and coming. Beyond that, I would hope that they would uh, tweak the software a bit, uh, you know, obviously update iOS and improve things like the multitasking capability. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do something to make the battery life even longer. What they would do, I don't know, but that's an area where I think Apple has to push the envelope, especially because you can't swap out the battery. What are you hearing? What do you think uh, should be in the iPhone 5? Well, you know what? I like Avram because he interviews me sometimes. So let me just tell you, 
I think they might consider a world phone in the sense that it will be LTE, CDMA, and GSM, which is the kind of chip that, say, a Qualcomm can produce. And yeah, I, I know it costs more per unit, but Apple's building, what, you know, 100 million iPhones a year, they'll figure a way. Well, that would certainly be a step forward, because frankly, between you and me, my next phone has to be a world phone. Today, I wouldn't buy a phone that didn't work uh, outside the U.S. that was CDMA only, or I couldn't pop in a SIM when I travel, because I'm at a tremendous disadvantage now when I'm going to when I go to Barcelona next next month. Everyone is asking me what my phone number is over there, and I have to tell them either I don't have a phone or I'm going to have to rent one and my number is going to be different. So I think a world phone is absolutely essential, uh, although a lot of people don't don't travel outside the U.S. a lot. I think it's very important. So I, I hope they'll go in that direction. And personally, I will not buy a phone again unless it's a world phone. And I think the other question is they need to resolve the dilemma of what it costs. Even if you have a phone that works GSM as it does in Spain. My son lives in Madrid, Spain. Okay. And he was considering maybe having an iPhone, but, you know, he gets a carrier there. He comes to the United States to visit here, to visit his parents for a month or two. What's he do? Is he going to spend, you know, I don't know how many euro, but say he spends two euro for every minute. The world plans offered by the American mobile companies is pathetic. You're spending two, three dollars a minute to call overseas. Now, I guess you can use Skype as an alternative. That's one way of doing it. There are other ways. There are other alternatives. Like here we have Vonage has an application where if you want to make a mobile phone call, you access the Vonage app. I know it's on the iPhone, probably on the Android OS as well. And that way you get a couple of cents a minute. But, you know, I think the mobile phone carriers would do better, and they have to work together for this, to have some kind of roaming system that's affordable for people who are traveling around the world. And that, I think, is a real deficiency. Yeah, it's it's extremely backwater right now. It really is. I mean, it, this is so, I mean, in, in so many other ways, the world is moving toward globalization. The borders are getting smaller. Everything, distances are getting shorter. But when you try to get connectivity, you go abroad, it's a serious, serious problem, uh, which I think is, an you know, by the way, is an interesting topic to get into because I don't know how much, you know, foreign traveling you do, but, uh, you know, I'm going to Barcelona next month. I went to Taipei a few months to go, you know, I'm going on business. I need constant connectivity there like I have it here. I'll tell you and what, we should go into this more in our next segment. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter 
New Year, new way to smoke, and it's totally wicked. Introducing Totally Wicked E-Liquid Electronic Cigarettes, the highest quality e-cigarettes in the world. With Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes, there's no flame, no secondhand smoke, no carbon monoxide, no tar, no unsightly brown teeth or fingers, and no lingering smell. Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes have a battery charge that lasts up to eight hours. Plus, with a Totally Wicked Tornado model, the average pack-a-day smoker is likely to save over $1,000 a year. The Totally Wicked Tornado provides a storm of vapor. See it at totallywicked-eliquid.com. That's totallywicked-eliquid.com. Or call 888-761-9425. Get a 15% discount with promo code GCN Live. Go to totallywicked-eliquid.com. Or call 888-761-9425. That's 888-761-9425. Or online at totallywicked-eliquid.com. Totally Wicked E-Liquid Cigarettes, the next generation of alternative smoking. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump-outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have world traveler, Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. I hate to say it. I don't do world traveling. And my son lives in Madrid, Spain. I want to go there. I would suggest to you, obviously, he'll be stuck in a hotel or an exhibition hall or something. But I'm sure my son would love to have lunch with you if you get to Madrid. In fact, I'll make him pay for it because he gets paid. But as you say, you know, consider this around the world. Most places use GSM except the United States, which is split between CDMA and GSM. But some parts in Asia are using CDMA. Verizon does have world phones, a couple of models, very expensive. 
I don't know if AT&T does. I haven't checked the catalog. I think Apple would do very well to have the world phone, but also see if they can do something with the carriers to help. And maybe Apple has the power, the corporate power, to help find a way to make that kind of communication affordable. You know, buy a monthly package. You're going away to Europe for a month. You want to go broke on the cell phone? Well, here's what you can do right now, and it's not necessarily easy. If you have a GSM phone or a world phone that supports GSM, and GSM by far and away is the standard in more in more countries than not, uh, you need to get a local SIM card for that country. That's not always as easy as it should be, but if you can obtain a prepaid local SIM card for the country or countries that you're going to, you can save a lot of money because you can use your same phone and then you pop in this new SIM card and then you can make local calls within the country. Yeah, now, but if the phone is locked to a specific carrier, is that going to work? My understanding is uh, that T-Mobile here in the U.S. and possibly AT&T, but definitely T-Mobile, will on request unlock your phone uh, if you tell them that you're traveling. Now, that's the, your phone should just come unlocked. That, that's ridiculous. But um, apparently, without charging you a fee, they will on request if you tell them you're traveling, unlock your phone. So when I went to Taipei last June, uh, a number of my colleagues who were there were on, were on T-Mobile, and I was on Verizon. Being on Verizon, I was just stuck. There was nothing I could do. My phone was no good. Uh, when I was in town, I went to a number of phone stores where they actually refused to rent me a phone or sell me a SIM card. Uh, they said, you know, you need to be a resident or you need to apply for it. They made it really, really difficult. Like you would think I could just go to the 7-Eleven and get a SIM card, but I couldn't or get a, rent a phone. I couldn't. I later found out that at the airport was the only place that you could actually do that. And I had left the airport. I had taken a cab away. And I wasn't going to go back to the airport just to just to rent something. So for my Spain trip, I've been trying to research it in advance to see is there something I can get before I leave. And there indeed are companies that will uh, that will rent you a phone, and that will rent you. But more important to me, will rent me a MiFi unit uh, that I can take with me to Spain and will and is, already has a SIM card in it. But I agree, it is too. It is much too complicated. You should be able to get a SIM card before you go that works. You shouldn't even have to use a foreign company's SIM card because then your phone number changes as well. Um, but that's the, you know, there's just not enough cooperation going on between the mobile phone carriers or they see this as a cash cow and there's not enough incentive for them to change. And, you know, the other thing is, too, will they let you unlock an iPhone? Now, we know you can do it illegally. You know, there's ways to jailbreak the iPhone, unlock it, and then do whatever you want. I know that when I sold my iPhone 3GS before I bought the iPhone 4, which therefore became a free phone, I got a couple of hundred dollars for it. And I know you can get more for an iPhone 4. But in any case, I got more than I had to pay for the iPhone 4, I know that they unlocked that phone and sold it for a lot more than they gave me. Yep. I mean, it's the whole locking business uh, is, is just, it's designed to take power away from the consumer. And I think you don't see that happening in Europe so much because people don't pay f for subsidized phones. 
people tend to pay the full the full amount for the phone and then they pay a much lower fee for the service. And uh, we would probably be better off in the U.S. if we had more carriers that supported that kind of a system. But obviously the carriers are against it. The only U.S. carrier that really gives you a benefit for buying your phone uh, unsubsidized is T-Mobile. Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of T-Mobile's uh, Everything More Plus plan, but that's actually a really good plan for people who, are willing, who want to be on T-Mobile and are willing to put up a little bit more money up front. They charge you significantly less for your data plan every month if you buy the phone at full cost. Uh, because you, they're not contract. factoring in the subsidy. Right. But whereas other, whereas other carriers like Verizon, if you go in there and you say, I want to buy an unsubsidized phone, you pay an extremely high price because they don't expect anybody to do it. So they're charging you like a predatory price of like $600 for your, your phone. And then you don't get any benefit from it except that you can leave your contract sooner. Isn't that also the big problem that we have? with regard to the way the cell phone carriers work. Now, obviously, Apple got a different deal because you're getting the Apple interface, the Apple support. Like, for example, when I call AT&T and I need support, you press one for Apple, two for AT&T because if it's the iPhone, Apple takes care of it. But what happens with every other phone company is, and every other manufacturer is, if you buy a Motorola or an HTC phone, in general, you're not their customer. You're Verizon's customer. You're T-Mobile's customer. You're AT&T's customer. And as a matter of fact, even with the Android OS, the different carriers are free to take that OS, rip it apart, and do what they want with it. Pretty much change the skin, change the bundled software, decide like Verizon does. You don't need to have Google as your default search engine. We have a contract with Microsoft. There's no brand identity. Now, Obviously, Apple has convinced these carriers to cede control, but isn't that also part of the problem here that basically the handset for most mobile phone companies and products is secondary? It's the contract. Buy a contract. We don't care what you buy as far as a phone's concerned. Just sign the contract. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, just imagine if the PC industry had worked this way when it started or worked this way today. Could you imagine having gone to like CompUSA or going to Best Buy today and having them decide, uh, you know, what what you should do with your computer and that they're the only ones who can carry it? I mean, to an extent, you actually do see because Best Buy is so powerful uh, now them getting certain exclusives. But I mean, in general, they don't exert, you know, the the retailers don't exert that much control over your notebook. Uh, but imagine if they did. The phone companies, because they control the pipeline, you know, the, the, they control the data, they've used it, leveraged that to control the hardware as well. And it's, it's certainly not the best thing for the consumer, not the best thing for the manufacturers, not the best thing for the, for the software vendors. I mean, they're, they're really kind of holding up the toll gate uh, because they control the highway. And it's, it's, it's really not a good thing. But I don't see anybody stepping in to stop it. You know, Google had kind of toyed with the idea of buying your phone not through the carrier when they released the Nexus One last year. That didn't work out. Uh, plus, they were never able to get the cost down. I think that the problem, I think that this problem may never be solved here in the U.S., especially because I don't really see any kind of regulatory agency coming in and 
and busting it up. Part of the way the business is done, Avram, which is Motorola is going to be scared to death to go to one of their carrier partners and say, you know what, we want control over this product. Or Google, even as powerful as Google is, Google can't persuade all the carriers to accept their products unaltered. They can't do it. You know, like Motorola would try to do this with Verizon or T-Mobile or something, and they'll say, okay, we'll get HTC's phone, or we'll get LG's or Samsung's phone. The heck with you, you're just a commodity. That's the problem. We'll get into more of that in a moment. Avram Pilch, the publication is Laptop Magazine. He's the online editor, which means he controls the content you see online. He's one of the gatekeepers, they say. No, he's a real nice guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Extend your life with Are you or someone you know suffering from high blood pressure, cholesterol, or chest pains? Are you looking for a more natural way to overcome these health challenges? Extendivite is made from herbs known to help with these symptoms. Made from garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, and four other herbs. Extendivite goes to work detoxifying heavy metals and killing fungus and virus to enhance your overall health. For only $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid, you too can begin on your path to better health. For more information, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. 
Not all protein supplements are created equal. One World Whey is the first cold-temperature processed, 100% all-natural, unrefined, bioactive, grass-pasture-raised milk whey protein. Far from being another ordinary protein supplement, One World Whey is a full-spectrum nutrition power food in and of itself, providing overall life-building benefits that touch virtually every human's life that other protein supplements don't deliver on. What are the benefits? Boosts the immune system, anti-aging properties, helps detoxification, helps reduce body fat, excellent for building lean muscle, increases energy levels, enhances the feelings of youth, sports performance, exercise recovery. Who's it for? Busy people, hardworking executives, students, teachers, active seniors, people recovering from illness, office workers, construction workers, and high-performance athletes. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Abram Pilch, the gatekeeper for Laptop Magazine. He's going to hate me for saying this, but it just, you know, came out that I feel so powerful. I'm going to actually record, I'm going to actually take that segment of this, and I'm just going to have it play over and over again. I'm going to start using it as a startup sound for my computer. The gatekeeper, the gatekeeper. And you put my voice in echo, and I can give you the original recording, as a matter of fact, and you can do anything you want with it. You can manipulate my voice. You can make me sound like I'm on helium or something like that. And you can then play it as a ringtone on your phone, you see. Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, beep, 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 whatever it is, you know. I don't know why we're doing this. Anyway, we were talking about, of course, the way the mobile phone industry is, that they are the gatekeepers. And on the Tech Night Out Live, I should point out also, obviously, your cable and your satellite providers are very much that way. I mean, yeah, you can buy a TiVo for... Your cable, they're supposed to have the cable card, but three people bought the cable cards. Yeah, I mean, you're you're really kind of stuck at the mercy of these companies that are just kind of providing you the pipe. And because they have control of the pipe, they, they want to have control of everything. And that's, that's kind of frightening. Now, some news actually came out, you know, earlier this week about a company called Light Squared. Have you heard of Light Squared? Tell me about it. Light Squared is a new uh, company that has a lot of backing. Uh, Nokia is behind them. Uh, they've got uh, some very large investment, and they are just got permission from the FCC to use a different band, a different you know frequency, uh, to transmit uh, 4G LTE signals. And so they are going to come in, Light Squared and they are going to start become a wholesaler of mobile broadband, uh, which means that they are hopefully going to start enabling other companies to get into the carrier business. You as a consumer will not buy anything from White Squared. It will be transparent to you. You will probably will not even know that your phone is on the White Squared, using the White Squared towers and signals. But... It will allow other companies, and some people predict that retailers will get into the business, to go out and create their own uh, services. So maybe Walmart or somebody, not that they've announced or anything, but maybe Walmart or someone like that gets into the wireless carrier business. You know, maybe Best Buy gets into the wireless carrier business and and uh, buys their bandwidth from Light Squared. 
Now, whether light squared is going to enable them to be cheaper, whether these alternative carriers are just going to be slightly better of, you know, slightly more consumer friendly than our, our current carriers, no one can say. But hopefully by enabling more competition, we might get to a point where we get some slightly more consumer friendly uh, carrier services. I would think that with the iPhone precedent, I was wondering maybe the manufacturers ought to talk amongst themselves saying, as a group, let's agree that we negotiate a better deal with the carriers because they can't just say, we don't want Nokia, LG, Samsung, Motorola, HTC. We can't just throw them all out. I suppose that I suppose that could happen, but I'm not really sure it, if the vendors actually see the carriers as, as doing anything that's against their interests. For example, one one instance you cited was the Samsung Fascinate, uh, which famously, you know, is an Android phone but came with Bing as its search engine because Verizon made a deal with Microsoft, uh, who owns Bing, uh, to carry Bing instead of Google as the default search engine. Uh, and so a lot of people were up in arms over that. You know, I want my Google search instead of my Bing on, on my Android phone. And I don't think that Samsung, you know, the manufacturer of the Fascinate, really cares. I mean, it's not, I'm not sure that they see it. I'm not, what I'm saying is I'm not sure that the vendors have, a, are as interested in protecting the user experience as we wish they were. I think they're much more interested in, you know, moving phones. And if, you know, the companies that can sell the phones for them, you know, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile are, are on board doing their best to sell the phones. If those companies want to tweak the phone experience, I'm not sure that the manufacturers care enough because they're so disconnected from the consumer. What about Google, though? Wouldn't Google do better to have a brand identity? So when I buy an Android phone from Verizon, from T-Mobile, Regardless of the manufacturer, I'm buying by specs, but the fundamental operating system like Windows, for example, is the same that I know I can get my updates from a single vendor. I can get the updates as necessary. Why can't they do that? That is a really good question. Uh, you know, Larry Page uh, just recently announced, or Google just recently announced that Larry, co-founder Larry Page is taking over from Eric Schmidt. And... Uh, I wrote a column uh, last week about what I think Larry Page needs to do to, you know, help Google kind of not that they're in any not they're in any bad shape, but to the things that he really needs to do to help push Google forward and, and kind of get some of its geek cred uh, back. And I think one of the big problems that they have is they haven't stood up for the user enough, particularly in the mobile space and. Yeah, I feel like Google is big enough and powerful enough where they could make more demands about about Android, but I don't think that they want to because I think they see it as an open source operating system that, you know, they want to control what the Google apps are, but they'll kind of let the market decide. And there are some benefits to that because we see companies innovating on top of Android. We see them doing things like putting the HTC Sense UI on top and making it a little nicer. Uh, but at the same time, no one is kind of stepping up and saying, hey, you know, we've got to stand up for the users here. You, you know, phone companies, phone carriers, you know, give, give the people their update. Because frankly, there's no incentive right now.
for either the manufacturer of the phone or the carrier to update you once they've sold you the phone. I mean, what's their incentive if you have Android 2.1 and now Android 2.3 comes out? What is the incentive for Samsung or HTC to, to spend their time working on an update for you? They got your money. I, I hate to say it. They got your money. And the carrier, they have you on, on the hook for two years. At the end of two years, are you going to leave and go somewhere else because they didn't update your operating system in the middle of your contract? Well, the, whoever else you go to is going to treat you the same way, so you might as well stay with them. That's kind of the unfortunate truth. It's like flying an airline. If they all charge you a baggage fee, it doesn't matter if you get irritated because you have nowhere else to go. So Google is the only one who could really step up. And what I think they should do, because they do need to be you do need to adapt the operating system to work with the hardware, just like with Windows and, and Mac. There sure, but at least you get the same look and feel. In other words, right. Android is not a brand today as much as it could be. They should require, as part of their specs, and Google could do this, that the phone manufacturers not be allowed to lock the, uh, lock the phone against updates. And then Google could issue, could issue updates just as Microsoft does. I personally, and I would love to get other people behind this, uh, you know, think that the phone should be treated a lot more like the PC. Our phones are basically PCs now. They are computers. They have operating systems. You don't need to ask anyone's permission. You don't need Hewlett Packard's help if your, you know, HP Pavilion has Windows XP on it and you want to install a Windows update or you want to go install Windows 7 you should be able to do the same thing with your phone. And right now there are people hacking their phones to do that, but Google is powerful enough that they could say, look, we're putting an end to this. The user has the right to update their phone. You can't lock the phone against that. We'll help the user do that. I'll tell you what, tell us where we can find more of the things that you do for Laptop Magazine. Well, uh, certainly you should come check out laptopmag.com. we have our smartphone buyer's guide uh, there that is uh, actually um, up this week. Uh, we have, obviously, our uh, top picks of notebooks to help you shop for notebooks. And, of course, every week you'll find my Geek's Geek column up with these sorts of, with this, more of the same sorts of rants you've come to know and love on the Tech Night Owl. And you can go to that directly at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek, one word. I'll tell our listeners now, if you want to see more of what we do, technightowl.com, technightowl.com for my commentaries, technightowl at Twitter for following me, and we'll follow you maybe. The other radio show, The Paracast, at paracast.com, about UFOs, things that go bump in the night. The Paracast, a special thank you for Avram Pilch, the gatekeeper at Laptop Magazine Online. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.